Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing private equity and access to private equity through a listed vehicle. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Helen Steers, who is uh, the partner at uh, Pantheon and a senior manager of Pantheon International PLC. Helen, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Delighted to be here, Jonathan. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we'll be discussing all things private equity, in particular uh, the Pantheon International FTSE 250 listed investment trust, which trades under the ticker of PIN. Um, so we've got a number of different topics that we're going to be discussing around private equity and access to the market of private equity for investors through uh, the PIN Investment Trust. But before we do that, Helen, please would you be able to give us uh, a background to uh, PIN and Pantheon, please? Yeah, sure, Jonathan. So Pantheon is a specialist private markets investor. Um, all it does actually is in private markets. So Pantheon invests in private equity, private infrastructure and private credit. Pantheon was founded in London in 1982. So we're now um, pretty much 40 years old this year. Um, London-based, but we're completely global now. Um, just five years after being founded, we opened in San Francisco, you know, the cradle Silicon Valley, and then in New York, um, Hong Kong, um, etc. We've now got around 400 people at Pantheon who work in our 10 offices worldwide, and we have 116 investment professionals. So Pantheon in total manages $81.2 billion. Um, most of that is managed through traditional limited partnership type private equity funds or infrastructure funds. And we have over 800 institutional investors globally. So in addition to managing through these traditional um, traditional private equity funds, we also manage Pantheon International PLC uh, that we call PIP for short. And uh, PIP is a FTSE 250 investment trust. It was launched uh, way back in 1987 um, and it now has NAV of £2.3 billion. Fantastic. Thank you. So, Helen, regular listeners to the podcast will, will be familiar with, with private equity. But for those that, that aren't, and obviously we're going to be making uh, some associations with Pantheon International and private equity. So it would be good um, if you could please just give us a background to, to private equity. I mean, mm. what, what it means and uh, what, what it means for, for markets and investors. Sure. Um, so private equity is medium to long term financing that's provided in return for an equity stake in potentially high growth, unquoted companies. So it's a means of financing of private companies. And the term private equity actually encompasses venture capital, growth capital, um, and also management buyouts and buy-ins. Private equity can also support public to privates um, and carve-outs of divisions of, of larger companies. But importantly, as a financing model, private equity in all its different forms is a proven driver of sustainable business growth. And this is achieved through operational expertise that the private equity managers can apply to their companies, um, you know, sound management, and importantly, the close working relationship between the private equity manager and the underlying portfolio company management team. 
And I'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, so private equity firms typically raise their money to invest from institutional investors um, like pension funds, insurance companies, um, endowments, charities and foundations. And performance in private equity has been strong over very long periods of time. And that's encouraged these institutional investors to continue to commit more capital to private equity. So the estimated market size of the private equity market at the end of 2021 was $5.3 trillion. And this is expected to grow pretty substantially over the next five years to around just over $11 trillion by 2026. Um, we estimate that there's probably well over sort of 7,000 active investors in private equity worldwide on the institutional basis. And of course, that doesn't count, you know, all the retail investors that can participate via these quoted um, investment trusts. And I'm going to talk about PIP a little bit later. We think that the market's going to continue to grow. Um, we've had sort of feedback from surveys, one of which um, said that 88% of respondents in this survey, which was all about institutional investors, um, thought that they would maintain or increase their allocations to private equity um, over the next year, year or two. Thank you. Thank you. Very good overview there, uh, Helen. So, you know, people will be wondering, because obviously there's, there's various forms of financing for a, a company. I sort of drilled down into, you know, some of the forces behind and the thinking behind, you know, those companies that are looking at private equity as a form of um, funding. I mean, what are the main reasons that you're seeing with the companies that you deal with that they are actually looking at private equity as opposed to other forms of funding? Yeah, so it's really interesting, actually, and probably not not well known enough. But private equity managers and private equity funds, they don't just provide capital to the underlying portfolio companies. Um, they, they are investing for the long term. And the whole point is that they are trying to help their portfolio companies to grow, usually over a, a five-year period. And because they're operating away from the public eye and you don't have this kind of relentless um, you know, focus every, every three months on operating results, um, the private equity managers can implement quite long-term strategic and operational improvements in the companies alongside the company management. So they can take a long-term view. They can enhance growth through various means, through sort of internal organic expansion. So maybe developing new products, going into new markets, um, but also through add-on acquisitions. So they can build stronger businesses, actually, at the end of the day. And company management like that. You know, they like to be able to invest in their businesses. They're often sector specialists, so often, you know, often with very deep um, specialization in areas such as information technology or healthcare. And as such, they can really provide um, not just sort of hands-on operating expertise, but also great networks um, to help their companies grapple with all sorts of issues such as you know, supply chain management, go-to-market strategies, um, human resource management, digitalization. And there's a real alignment of interest in private equity because the private equity manager also invests in the business personally, as well as the company management and the investors. And everybody crystallizes their returns at the same time when they exit the business after, say, five years. And, you know, they, they, they all make money at that point. So there's some interesting points that you made in comparisons to the to sort of public markets there. And that's, that's a point that I'd just like to, to focus on here. Obviously, with what you've outlined there um, with private equity managers and, and how they work with companies, I mean, is there a big difference between 
what a private equity manager would do in terms of their relationship with a company and maybe uh, the manager of a, of a listed equity investment trust, for example. I mean, it, what are the sort of main differences in the relationship between the managers and the investee companies there? Well, it's a great question, Jonathan. And there is a very big difference because the private equity manager will usually have um, an influential, if not a con- controlling stake in the businesses. So they they will be extremely close to the businesses. They will be able to implement change because they, you know, they have a majority ownership in the businesses. Um, and crucially as well, the company management will be investing alongside the private equity managers. So everybody is sort of pulling in the same direction. The private equity managers can get a huge amount of information about what's going on within the companies. So they get very frequent, sometimes almost daily updates on on the operations, Um, and they're able to affect change. So they can add to the management team. So if they feel, for example, that they don't have anybody on staff in the company that's a digitalization expert, they can bring somebody on board. If they feel that the company's got some opportunities to make acquisitions, but they don't have anybody in the company that looks like they're a good M&A specialist, they can bring somebody in there as well. and then also they can strengthen the company's board. So every company has a, has a board of directors. They can bring in industrial experts, people that can really help sort of supercharge um, the, the, the growth of the business. So that's why we, we refer to private equity as kind of super active equity, because it's extremely active management. You can't really have more active management. It's really hands on. And by doing that, that, that's what's really sort of boosting the performance of these businesses. Great. So that's a very good overview there of private equity, Helen. So it'd be great now to let's drill down into some examples and um, you know make uh, some comparisons uh, between some of the companies that are, are private equity backed companies. Maybe some uh, look at you know in the wider market, and also Helen, are there any that uh, you'd like to mention that you've been working with personally? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think what's quite interesting about private equity is it covers a huge range of different sectors, and it covers you know some of the consumer sectors and some companies that everybody will have will have heard of, but it also covers very niche orientated you know, IT specialist companies or healthcare businesses or even companies that provide sort of digital infrastructure. So nobody will have heard of some of those companies. Um, but just to pick out names of companies um, that people will have heard of and, and maybe they'll be surprised that they were originally private equity backed. Um, so just in our own portfolio, we've had companies such as Spotify, um, so you know, we, we were we were part of the financing of Spotify when it was an extremely small business, you know, based in the Nordic region, um, you know, lo- lo- long before it became the success it's, it's become. Um, we're also an investor in Just Eat, so presumably people people will will have been using Just Eat quite a bit over the last uh, last couple of years. Um, even Netflix, Airbnb, Facebook, these were all companies that were backed by private equity to begin with. And then just to pick a couple of other sort of uh, names that people might know, um, I don't know how many people like playing Candy Crush Saga on their mobiles, um, but that that game was invented and marketed by a company called King.com. That was backed by private equity. And then just to change tack completely, um, Farrow and Ball um, is private equity backed. So there you've got a few names of, of well-known uh, private equity backed businesses. 
Thank you. That's a great illustration of the companies that are operating within that sector. And of course, there are many of the household names that people will be familiar with and using, especially on a digital basis, uh, as you mentioned there, would have received private equity financing at some point. But Helen, let's just look at some of the you know issues and, and questions investors may have around uh, private equity. Of course, I'm going to probably touch uh, again, back on what you mentioned previously and discussed about uh, the difference between public and and private equity. You know, in it being private, there's of course not the uh, disclosures needed on, on on such a regular basis than there is uh, for for public companies. I mean, do you feel that this raises um, you know an an area of maybe suspicion around private equity companies um do you think there's an opaqueness to the industry i mean how do you and also how do you um sort of fight those challenges with working with uh, with such companies yeah it's re- it's really an interesting point actually because the the impression is that private equity is opaque um you know the information is not not out there public um and and indeed it isn't publicly available because it is private. Um, But that's not to say that there is no information, there's no access to information. There's a huge amount of information, um, and probably more information um, than in publicly quoted companies. But that information is not available publicly. It's available to the private equity manager who uses it to help manage the company better in the future. And it's also available to investors like ourselves. So we get what we need um, from the private equity managers, and we get the information on the underlying portfolio companies. But we can't publish all of that information. However, um, our position on fund advisory boards, we sit on 560 fund advisory boards across the world. That gives us really privileged access to the information on the portfolio companies and also critically to the private equity fund managers. So, you know, we can hear not only about the portfolio companies, but also about the managers, um, investment strategies, the way they're managing their own firms, and we can influence them. Um, You know, we've got um, a very strong approach at Pantheon and at at PIP on ESG. For example, we were one of the first um, private equity signatories to the UNPRI in 2007, and we've consistently had sort of A-plus ratings um, since then. So we use our position and our close relationships with the managers to, you know, for example, push much greater ESG standards in private equity and get better reporting on that. And that reporting is made, but it's made to us as investors. We don't, we, we don't publish that. So a lot of this forms part of our investment due diligence, our investment monitoring, and we then pass on um, that information to our own investors. And our our managers, you know, really you know, understand that we do need information to be able to make decisions and to be able to monitor the the portfolios properly. But we can't disclose that information, you know, uh, publicly because these are private companies. Indeed. So of course you're you're in a position where you have access to privileged information. So naturally that would make it a difficult industry for for many investors to get into and this is really sort of following on now and, and looking at a pin in the investment trust mm. uh, that uh, that you manage and um, so would you be able to go into you know detail of how people can get exposure to the market without having uh, to have direct access to private equity companies 
Yeah, and, and it's, it's a really good point because it is difficult for people to access private equity unless they are a large institutional investor. You know, large institutional investors can get access to these private equity funds. They've got, you know, tens of millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars or euros or pounds to put into private equity funds. And they don't mind if those investments that they're making are tied up for very long periods of time. Um, so it's very different for institutional investors. You know, for individuals, you know, clearly, you know, individuals don't have tens of millions to put into these private equity funds. They can't access the very top funds because the very top funds don't raise money from retail, you know, in, individual investors. So it's, it's, it's very difficult. And we spend a lot of our time, we don't just invest in funds, but we also co-invest alongside the private equity managers into operating companies directly. So that's a very specialized skill. And it's something that, um, you know, even institutional investors find difficult, but obviously retail investors can't, can't do that. Um, so that's why a listed private equity vehicle, such as Pantheon International PLC, PIP, um, ticker code PIN, um, is a very good way for people to access private equity because essentially the shares are traded on the London Stock Exchange. It's a FTSE 250 company. So like any other listed company, you can buy and sell. So there are no liquidity issues. Um, you can get access to a full range of private equity. So I mentioned earlier that encompasses venture, growth equity, buyouts. It's also global. So you can get access to private companies on the West Coast of the US, you know, all the way through to, to Asia. Um, so it, it, it's a good way of doing that without having to put a lot of money into lots of different private equity funds and then have to manage all of that as well. And the performance has been very good. I mentioned that, that Pantheon International has been around since 1987. Um, and the average um, net asset value growth per annum since inception um, is 12.3%. Um, and that's net of all, of all fees, of all costs. So the performance over the long term has been extremely good. And it's um, strongly outperformed the public market benchmarks, whether that's the FTSE um, or the MSCI. And PIP, um, for example, is now, is now a vehicle of scale. It has net assets of 2.3 billion pounds. So it's, it's a very um, solid and well-constructed vehicle that's been around for a long time, been through lots of different cycles. Um, if you look at the five-year total shareholder return, it's 89.1%. Um, so we think this is a, a really good diversified vehicle for um, investors to, to get a, a slice of private equity. So indeed, a very respectable set of figures you just <laughs> outlined there, Helen. Um, so, I mean, what's driving this? What what makes uh, PIN different from alternative private equity vehicles out there? So PIN has the advantage um, of being, being managed by Pantheon, which is one of the longest established private equity managers in the world, um, a global manager, so having access to private equity opportunities right across the world. So that platform um, is really is really powerful. And PIP essentially can tap into that. So it, it can produce this all-weather portfolio, um, giving access to these high-quality private companies in exciting niche areas with this, this, this sort of tilt towards information technology and healthcare um, you know, all over the world. Um, it's diversified, so that mitigates um, risk. 
about 600 underlying private companies account for 80% of the NAV. So you can see that there, there, is, there is good diversification there. Um, and PIP's got a very flexible investment approach. Um, it can invest directly into all the deals that are sourced by, by Pantheon. So we can tilt the portfolio to where we see the best opportunities in the world. So the best geographies and the best underlying uh, companies in the best sectors. We've also got a first-class, completely independent board of directors, uh, and that's really important because they set the investment strategy upon recommendation from Pantheon, and we have directors from a whole range of different backgrounds. Um, they really hold us to account and they look out for shareholders' interests. And I should mention, actually, that directors own a significant amount of shares in PIP, um, so they've got considerable skin in the game themselves. So, Helen, you mentioned their information, technology and, and healthcare, and, and obviously touched on trying to seek out the best companies. I just want to look forward now um, for a bit, a bit of an outlook uh, from your perspective on, on private equity and, and where you see the industry going as a whole, as well as I mean, what PIN is going to be doing going forward. So obviously, as I said, you're going to be looking and you're obviously focusing at the moment with uh, inf- information and technology and healthcare. I mean, are those particular sectors going to be ones that you focus on going forward? Are there any other sectors that you have your eye on that you could change your strategy with? And just a sort of general outlook of, of what's going to be happening going forward. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. So um, we, we invest behind sort of long-term secular trends. Um, so in information technology, what we've been investing behind for a long time, and actually this served us very well um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, we like digitalization, technology, technology enablement, um, you know, move to making companies more efficient, um, automating them. So we invest in a lot of um, business software, so enterprise software, often um, serving small to medium-sized businesses. So um, that we think is a trend that's here to stay. Um, you know, because companies need you know accounting software, legal software, you know, all all of that. Um, healthcare, uh, we we sort of invest behind trends uh, to do with aging demographics. So unfortunately, you know, the world is getting older, and that l- leads to you know, more kind of you know aging diseases so you know unpleasant things that have to be addressed by better healthcare products and services um so that's a big that's a big trend for us and also things like digital health so the crossover then between technology information technology and and healthcare and on the consumer side and i mentioned quite a few consumer companies earlier um you know, we do a lot in consumer staples and consumer services and areas such as e-commerce. And I don't think anybody thinks that e-commerce is going to go away anytime soon. So more services for consumers that are that are online. So, you know, all, all of that we think is going to continue. In terms of newer sectors um, that we've identified and, you know, we're, we're investing more into sustainability. So um, anything to address climate change and in you know, a transition to net zero, we think that's also going to be a, a big secular trend that's, that's not going to go away. So all that, you know, really specific to PIN. In terms of the outlook for private equity, we continue to think it's going to be good. You know, I mentioned earlier that institutional investors continue to put more money into the, into the private equity market. Um, the number of private equity backed companies has been increasing. Um, by about 5.7% per annum over the last 20 years. Companies are staying private for longer, um, so they're able to raise money on, on, on private markets instead of going 
public, if they ever go public at all, actually. Um, so we think that there's just going to be more and more private equity-backed companies, and that's going to create you know, more and more opportunities for us um, and our managers to, to invest. And I think also it's important to say that private equity is really good in environments where there is disruption and dislocation, because it's very nimble and flexible, and the managers are very good at managing their portfolio companies through difficult times. So we saw that in COVID, where the you know the onset of COVID, where private equity managers really sort of you know got got onto things very quickly and helped their companies with any supply chain uh, issues that they had, and actually critically getting companies online, digitalizing sort of go to market and things like that. So, you know we're we're pretty confident that private equity is a very good financing model, but also um, that it provides great returns for investors. So. You know, we've managed PIP now for 35 years, or almost 35 years, through a range of different economic cycles. Um, and, you know, that, you know, our experience plus the pipeline of deals that we see ahead of us means that we feel pretty confident about PIP's future prospects. Fantastic. Helen, thank you very much. Just a note to uh, listeners that there will be a link through to the Pantheon website so you can check out some more information there uh, in the notes to the to the podcast. So do have a, have a look at that. So Helen, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. Great to speak to you. Yes, you too. And as I said, do check out the notes. There'll be a little bit more information about uh, the PIN uh, Investment Trust in there. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.